0: we're starting a new series, our, our Christmas series, and we're calling it Among Us, and specifically now, Christmas in John chapter one. Now, uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, specifically with the gospels and how they start. Two of them, two of the gospels start with the Christmas story, and they go through kind of the like the typical way you think of, like Mary and Joseph, and they uh, and they're found to, she visited by an angel and found to be uh, it's going to have a baby, and Joseph's like, uh, that's not my baby, I know that. So what what do we do? And he and he even says that he secretly like wants to split things up with her, but then an angel comes to him in a dream, and it goes through the story, and then they and then they have to. The, the census. They have to go to, if you remember, to Bethlehem to report for the census. And then they go, and then they see, um, they go to the inn, right? And then the, there's an innkeeper, and the innkeeper says there's no room at the inn. And do you, you remember the story, right? You've probably have seen this story. Okay. Um, first of all, can I tell you this? There is no innkeeper in the scriptures. Do you know what? That's a, that's a, that is a, that is a bold-faced lie that every kid's program puts on. No. It's 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 a, it's actually a made up thing that we just think of like oh there's an end. like every it seems like every kind of uh, like every play every every like cr- like Christmas movie like about it or video it's like oh and then there's an innkeeper is like I'm sorry, no room. I know you're pregnant, but I'm a jerk and you're gonna have to go somewhere else. <laughs> And, and like, but that's not the case. Like, like, it's not even in the scriptures. But there is no room in this. Um, it's actually, it's in the Greek is the um, katabalon. And it's, it's translated in some translations in, but it's probably more accurately the guest house translated guest house so it's not like a hotel where they show up and they're like 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 you come here and you're going like you know you're going downtown or old mill and you're trying to check in like oh sorry no no room in the end it wasn't like that it was probably a house attached to another house probably a family members and there's no room so they have to go to the stable you have to go to where the animals live, and Jesus is born in a manger, right? We know the story, um, even, even if you don't go to church, or you're new to church, or you you're kind of, like, don't have much experience in church, you know, generally speaking, kind of, the, you don't, might not know all the details, but, but the story, and, and how, like, how Jesus was born, and the beginning of the life of Jesus, now, so far, I, I, we're probably tracking like, yeah, great, that's the Christmas story. When you read John chapter one, none of that's in there. John doesn't start his gospel with any of that. He doesn't, he's not interested. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he's like, that's been written about the beginning. Okay, I'm not talking about that now. What, what, what John is going to do is he's going to tell us this, that, that the beginning of Jesus, like, like when we think about the Christmas story of the, like the process, the ending with the, the like we born in a manger and swallowing cloth and, the, and the, the magi come and they come bring gifts and the, and the star and all that stuff, that's the beginning of Jesus, right? That's the beginning of the life of Jesus. Except, ready for this? That is wrong. That is not the beginning of of Jesus. John, he, John is going to make a, a very specific point to say, no, 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 this, like, you, people, you don't understand just how great and incredible Jesus is. And he says that his life didn't start, and, and other writers write, his life didn't start in a manger. It started long before that, in fact, in eternity past, that that he's always existed. Jesus did not begin as a baby. And John wants us to know that from the beginning of his gospel, that the life of Jesus did not begin in a manger. Listen, the life of Jesus did not begin in a manger. It did not begin like ours did with our birth. His life did not begin with birth. In theology, it's what's referred to as the pre-existence of Jesus. That he existed before his, like, earthly life here. He didn't start here. Again, this makes, again, a, a, a unique claim in Christianity. But, but this is what John is going to tell us. And we're going to look at Christmas through the lens, through the kind of the eyes of John chapter 1 where John is going to write all right let me tell you about how this all like came to be and it's and it's going to be the the start now of this Christ who comes for Christmas but through the eyes of eternity past so it's going to feel different i think this 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 year than a normal kind of here's the story because we're going to be looking at the story behind the story or the, like what happened before the Christmas story and here's what we're gonna see this morning. Your understanding of Jesus, ready for this? Your understanding of who Jesus is is more important than your understanding of anything else. Your understanding of who Jesus is, and John gets this, and so he's gonna make very specific claims. I want you to know about Jesus, Your understanding of of who he is and what he was like and what he did and why he did it, your understanding of that is more important than your understanding of your career, whatever career you've chosen. It's more important than your understanding of of any kind of like education path you've picked. It's more important than your understanding of, of world politics or finances or even raising kids. Like your understanding of who Jesus is And what he did and why he came is more important than all of that. So John is gonna answer these questions and specifically these things about Jesus. Who is he? What did he do? And why did he come? And we'll look at those this morning as we open up to John chapter one. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to John chapter one. Um, Here's where we start. We're gonna see this and this is but honestly this is probably the most um the most amazing maybe verse or two verses in the scriptures there's so much but we could do we could spend weeks talking about just this verse and here's what's going to tell us jesus has always existed he didn't start and there are throughout time, there have been like after the death of Jesus and the resurrection, and, and then the church begins. And for the next few hundred years, there's a number of people trying to where everyone's trying to figure out the right theology, good theology. We've had 2,000 years of it, so we've landed and we say, okay, this is, this is kind of orthodox theology. This is the, the true understanding of what Christianity is. But in the beginning, they're trying to figure out and, and trying to, to nuance, okay, what does this mean? And there were a, no, a number of people who talked about Jesus being born and, and beginning, having a beginning, and they go through this process realizing this is heretical. To say Jesus had a beginning is a heresy because Jesus has always existed. So anyone who claims Jesus has a starting point is preaching something that is anti the scripture. So here's what we see in John chapter one. This is, I mean, this is, it's, it's. there's so much in here. And it's, it's personal for me. I remember, um, uh, you know, in seminary, you got to take Greek and Hebrew and, uh, and I'm taking Greek class. And I remember my first, my first Greek quiz ever is oral. You have to read and interpret uh, a passage that the, that the professor gives you. And it's like, you know, here he says, hey, I'm gonna give it to you from John. And I'm like, okay. Like, all of it? Like, it's, it's, it's long. There's a lot in there. He says, no, it'll be from the beginning. And I remember, all right, it's my turn. And he goes, all right, I want you to read for me, John, in Greek, I want you to read from the Greek New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm like, ooh, I nailed this. I got it. It's probably the only verse that I, like, memorized in Greek. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. And this was it. And here it is in English. Ready? In the beginning was the Word. And Arche is the Greek. And Arche, the beginning. Ha-ten-lagos is the Greek. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Okay. I, I I wish, I, there's no way to do this, but I wish we all could understand what this is in Greek because in English, it's like, okay, it's very poetic and it's very nice and and uh, that, you know, that seems, that's nice. That's, that's like, okay, that's very, that's a, that's, you know, John, that's a very creative way to start your gospel. No, 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 there's so much more. This word, the word, literally word, it's capitalized here because it refers to uh, like who this word is is in the Greek, logos, L-O-G-O-S. And the logos is, it might be, it might be the most theological Greek word in the Bible. It means so much more than just word, though it literally, like in its literal sense, it literally means like a word, like what you, like what you speak or write down. So he, so this, this in the beginning, whoever this, thing or person is that exists it was the word but it means so much more than that it literally means uh, can be translated as logic or rationale and, and some theologians will say that this is, this is more than just the word it's literally the thought of God that be, that is personified and is, and it is the, the, the logic and, and in Greek philosophy this is why this is so it, it, like, John is, he's, man, he's, he nails it, and he's so good. In Greek philosophy, which he's writing into, and they're literally reading and studying Greek, and the Romans are talking about Greek, and, and, and they understand that this means, like, the, this is a philosophical term, this logos. When they talk about the logos, it's a philosophical term, and what they're referring to isn't like, like a word written down, but rather it's the, it's the reason or principle of life. So, what they're, what they're saying, like in Greek philosophy, the logos is ready. It's, here's what it is ready? What is the meaning of this thing? And in particular, on the grand scheme of things, like what is, the, what is the logos? It's the equivalent of us saying, what's the, what's the purpose of life? When they talk about the logos, they're talking about what is the rationale, the purpose, the logic of everything. So, when, when John writes this, in the beginning was the logos they'll look at this and say, oh, it's not just word. It means way more than just word. What is the purpose or principle or reason for life? What is the principle for existence? And they had come to two, uh, two conclusions. And, and, and by the way, we have these two conclusions today. You have friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors who will land in one of these two conclusions. The first, there is no meaning. There is no meaning. And this is, this is naturally where many atheists will end. especially those who write on atheism, um, will talk about that like, we, we, really, we literally legitimately and literally are the, uh, the result of random chance that brought us about. And there's no purpose in it beyond just simply existence, natural selection, that we just survived. And we continue to survive and things continue to survive and evolve but when we talk about purpose or meaning there is no grand meaning to everything there are many who fail in this and and you try to answer life's questions and you can't there are no answers to life's big questions the why questions so don't try second option is this well all right there might not be any but here's here's your role here's what you do ready you make your own you make your own. You find your own meaning. There's no grand meaning of everything. And so there's no, like, there's no like principle that ties it all together. So you, here's what you get to do in your life and however many years you have to live, you just make your own. You find your own meaning. You determine, ready? Tell me if this sounds familiar. You determine the direction and the course of your life for you. You decide what's true for you. You find your meaning. Boy, does that not sound like the, the prevalent philosophy of today's age. This wasn't new. This was happening back then. So they would land in one of these two. And, and now here's this guy, John, who's writing this, and he says, hey, in the beginning, let me start my, this is gospel. In the beginning was the logos. What? But we know there's no, either there is no meaning or you make up your own logos to life. And, and you're saying that, that in the beginning, it was there? All right, all right, you've piqued my interest. What else are you gonna tell me, John? So he starts off, he starts off his gospel with this incredible theological, like philosophical term and discussion about this logos. And then he adds this. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God. In Greek is pros, P-R-O-S. And it, and it means more than just like, like he was just like there, but, but rather he was like next to, like when you say, "like Oh, I'm I'm here with so and so," or "I went to the I went to the store with my wife," or "with my husband," or "with my kids," or "or I I took I went with the dog on a walk," and I you know what? Like when you say the word "with," it's I was with like in the presence of. So John is saying, "In the beginning was this logos, this great logic, the rationale of all life, and this rationale, this logic, this word." Was pros was with God was in the presence of God. Ooh, okay, all right. You can see you can see just how deep this is, and and for John to write this and how like how how this is this is much more than just simply kind of a nice kind of poetic way to start a gospel. This is this is speaking to something far greater than simply uh, like a uh, literary style. The word was with God. He's gonna tell us in just a few verses later what with means. In, in verse 18, it says this. John, again, he's writing this same chapter. He writes this, and they, we'll look at it a few, a few translations. The NASB says this, verse 18 of chapter one. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, and this is in the Greek, this is what it says, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So what it means to be with, then, he's, he's going to clarify. Here's what it means. Ready? That he is the, 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 this, this, this uh, only begotten, this logos, that we're going to find out who it is. Um, this, this person, this thing, this idea, this logic, this word was with God and was in the bosom of God. Literally like in the side. Here's what it says. The ESV translates it like this. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. NIV it takes it one step further and gives us kind of an inter- less of a translation, more of an interpretation. It says this. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This, this with that he's talking about isn't just that he was there or he was around, but rather like he was one with and at the side of the Father. And no one else, this doesn't apply to anyone else, no one else can claim this. And, and he says that this word, this logos, was at the Father's side. Literally, like with him, next to him, part of him, in the closest relationship possible with him. Oh, Okay this word, this Logos being with God seems to be very, very important. And then we see this, that the word was with God, but also the word, here it is now, and this is the thing, this, this one word, this one little phrase has, has tripped up many, many, many religions, many people who would say, no, this, it's a mistranslation. It can't be true. It says this, and the word was God. If, if you talk to Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they'll look at this and say, no, that's translated wrong. It's not right. It can't be right. can't be right because we don't believe Jesus was God. And the word was God, and we see that the, the root here, ready for this? The Greek word is en, but it comes from the, the root word, me, if you remember, we've talked about this before when Jesus, Jesus used this language. A-M-E means I am or I exist. It's literally the, the, like the root word of to be. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was, I am God. It's what Jesus says when, uh, when he's uh, right as he, like they, uh, they accuse him of blasphemy, and he says, before Abraham was, and he says, ego, which is the Greek word for I, and then he says, a ego, ami, says, I am. That's the, same, that's the same word here being used in his root form that the word am or was God. Ooh. This now changes our understanding in theology that this word, this logos, wasn't just a part of God or just emanated from God, as many theologians would later say, that it was more than that, that this logos was God. It is. This logos, this rationale, the principle of existence, it was God, and it's written in, in a tense where it's, and it continues to be. It isn't like a one-time deal. It's, it's this is God and it will always be God. Ooh. Okay, there's there's so much theology just in the Greek of these words and that, and he knows exactly what he's talking about. In and then it says in verse 2, he was pros with God in the beginning. Another summary statement. All right. This logos this word was with God, was God, and then it says he. Now we know it's a a he. All right. He's giving us clues as to, as to what he's talking about. You can probably foreshadow and predict ahead what it, like, who this person is, but he's starting out by just saying, there's this logos and he's with God and he is God and it's a he. He was with God in the beginning. We see this, that Jesus has always existed. Now we read this. Jesus not only has he always existed throughout eternity past through all time. Jesus made everything there is. Jesus made everything that is a thing. Now, m- m- let me let's I want to b- be specific here. It doesn't mean like 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 he made your iPhone or like he made this building. But rather, ready? We're going to see this that that he made everything the building blocks, the elements that make up those things. Let's read this. Verse 3 says this. Again, this is John writing this. This logos, that's with God and was God, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Through him the logos, the word, everything was made. Okay, ready for this? It means everything that exists, like all matter, if you study um, laws of thermodynamics, there's a law that says that matter is never uh, created nor destroyed. Like it's never, it's always repurposed, but it's never, it's never destroyed or new matter created, that we have all the matter in, in the entire galaxy, like the universe, it all exists and there's never extra or, or less. It just gets reused or repurposed. So he made everything that exists, We see this, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. This isn't just a John thing. Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians chapter eight, he says this, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, again, through whom all things came and through whom we live. He equates them and says, God did this and Jesus did this. In Colossians chapter one, it says this the Son is the invisible, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, the Son, now all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created, have been created through him and for him. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, says this in in chapter 1. He begins his letter saying the same thing. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Listen. As we, do, as we get into Christmas and, we, and it's a great time and, we, like, and, it, and it, every year it's magical and it's wonderful and it's like, man, I just love Christmas. And for probably most of us, like a lot of us, Christmas is our favorite season just because of, like, it's decorated and like, here we're, we're blessed enough to literally have snow and it's like, oh, it's just, everything feels right and good. It's just, oh, it's amazing. I love Christmas and you put your lights up and trees and decoration and presents and family. It's like, it's all the good stuff, Right. Listen the, the the purpose of Christmas is really easy to miss if we think that it's just about the birth of a child because it's much more than that it's the coming to earth of the logos this 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 this, this word this this ultimate reality that existed in eternity past now that created everything now this is crazy. And it's like it's hard to even like put into like to think through. This this creator of everything now just became a baby. An infant. This infant is not just another child or just one option amongst a lot of really good religious people. And he grows up to be a prophet. No, no. It's it's so much more than that. This, this baby, this is like this is the this is okay. This is where my mind goes when I read this stuff and I think about this jesus he grows up right we know this and and uh, we see one instance where he's a child at age 12 and then we don't see him again until 30 till he begin about 30 when he begins his ministry so he spent about 30 years kind of in quiet in shadows in silence uh, his his uh, his family didn't even really believe in him didn't understand like when he says that i'm you know when he talks about being the christ and the son of god they're kind of looking at him like you're crazy man like you're just jesus like you're my you're my older bro this doesn't make any sense Here's what this means. Ready? For at least 30 years, Jesus is walking around on everything he created. He's living amongst everything he made. Silently, humbly, quietly, under wraps, probably smiling to himself like, I remember I made that mountain. That was, that was a fun one. <laughs> oh, this river? Oh, man, you guys, like, I was the one who helped design like the curvature of it. And, and specifically, like how it would flow and the rapids, like that was that was pretty cool too. I remember when I rode with the Angels, we floated that river. It was like it was great. That's probably he probably didn't say that, but literally, this is the Creator of everything who becomes a person. This is the this is the one who made it. Literally, who through him the universe was made, and he becomes a person. All atoms, all molecules, like on the smallest scale that we can we can like measure or observe, like everything that it, like everything is made up of, like the stuff that we are walking on, like that stuff. He made all of it, and he didn't just make that. He made it says the universe, like the galaxies and the stars. Like when we think of like how large the universe is, it's hard to even fathom or even measure or even understand. And we kind of like we have to guess. Like like astrophysicists have to guess at how large things are, and, and he made all of it. This little baby, in his preexistence, before he came to earth, made all of it. Jesus made everything there is. And and, and so that's the, the who he is, he's the Logos. The what he did, he told us, he made everything. And now he's gonna tell us the the why. why. Why did he come? Why did he do this? Here it is, verses four and five tell us. Jesus now, he's going to tell us, is light that overcomes darkness. This light theme now he's going to switch to and and continue throughout the first chapter of John and then throughout the book of John. And and we're told this, that that he came, that that he's going to introduce now the theme of his gospel, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And he did so not just as a man, but not just as the logos, but he came now as light this theme that is gonna continue through this chapter and the rest of John. Here's, um, Here's what he says in verse four. In him, this logos, was life, zoe in Greek. In him was life, and that life was the, here it is, the light of all mankind. The light, here's what it does now. It shines in the darkness, and here's this important, and the darkness has not overcome it. That this this logos came into the world and came as light shining in darkness and this darkness, as dark as it is and as powerful as it is, as evil as it is, we're going to see here in a second, like as bad as it is, it cannot. It cannot, as much as it tried, it cannot overcome this light. That's how impressive and how bright this light is. John chapter three, a few chapters later, he writes this. If you remember, John, John chapter 3 is where we also find John 3.16. <laughs> A few verses later, in John 3.19, he writes this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Again, we're told this light came into the world, but people didn't like it. People still don't like it. A few chapters later, in John chapter 8, when Jesus spoke again to the people. Jesus, now, he understands this. He knows exactly who he is, and this isn't like some mystery or something that he kind of makes it up as he goes. He said, he said, I am the light of the world. Like, he knows it. He knows his role is of light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not only is he light, but he's like, hey, I'll give it to you. You want to follow me? Listen, you can also have the light of life. Like, oh, you can have light. You, uh, the light I have, I can give to you and you can then shine light. This metaphor, motif of light now is this idea of like, it expands and it can grow and it can spread this light. A few chapters later, still in John, John chapter 12, it says this. Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. What is a light? Now, we've, there's been actually a lot of study on light, and it was confusing for a long time, because light is a particle. Like, it's an actual, like, photon. But it's also, light is a ray or a beam, and it acts in a very specific, predictable way. And it's a wave, right? If you know anything about light, and you look at light, it's both a particle, but it's also a wave, and it has a constant speed. We call it the speed of light. Like, there's things we can know about about light, but here's what light does. As like amongst all the other properties, here's the only thing we care about. Ready? It illuminates things that we couldn't see. As much as light is like interesting and it's like both a particle and a wave and a and a beam and it has a, a specific speed. Here's the deal, right? Here's why we need it. Here's why we study it because because without it, you can't see anything. You can't see anything. Light, its very job is to eliminate everything in the dark. Light is the thing by which we see everything else. That if we had, if we turned the lights off, if we like cover the windows, don't allow any sunlight in here, like uh, you wouldn't see anything. Even though like everything would exist, everything would be exactly as it is. If we could just turn it off. I mean, we might freak out a little bit, but but like all of it would be here, but you wouldn't know it. But with light now, we can see. It's the thing by which it illuminates everything else. So Jesus comes, and this idea of him being the light of mankind means this, ready? That Jesus comes to illuminate everything for us. And specifically, what we're gonna see is to show the gospel, the way to God, the, like the process by which you have a relationship with God. That's why he comes. This logos, this, this word, this principle of life takes the form of a small baby grows up to be a man to understand his role of being light and this light illuminates the truth about god this light is understanding it's how we understand the true reality of everything c.s lewis in the weight of glory he writes this a famous quote of his, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the Son has written. Not only because I see it, this is great, but because by it, I see everything else. He understood that Jesus was much more than just a guy or a prophet or a, a holy man or, or he taught some nice things. He understood that Jesus was the thing by which he saw everything else. That Jesus, listen, Jesus was was the, the thing that illuminated the rest of life for him. Jesus is light that overcomes darkness so as we get into the series this is just part one and we're going to continue each week I, I, you know I, I, we're going to keep building on this as we go through john chapter one because it, like it's just an incredible and incredible chapter and a, and, a, and, a, 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 and a phenomenal way to open a gospel and john is brilliant here and and we're going to continue to see how he expands like his understanding of who, of who Jesus is and the beginning of sort of the gospel of Jesus. But Jesus is light that overcomes darkness. And here's, what, again, just to restate too, ready? Your understanding of this, your understanding of who Jesus is and what he did and why he came, your, your understanding of Jesus is more important than your understanding of anything else. Anything else. So as we talk about who Jesus is this Christmas, our goal, our hope, our understanding is that we would all grow in our understanding of him and in our, ready for this, and in our relationship with him. It's not just about knowing I know I I know, you know what? I'm walking away having better theology. I understand more now about the technical nuances of this passage. I, I learned something today. Great, wonderful, ready? Okay, does it make any difference in your life? When you read this and you look at this and you say, man, all right, Jesus, you really are the light that overcomes darkness and, and you are the thing that, by which I should see everything else. So, so here's what that means then for us, ready? You should be the priority of my life over everything else. You have authority over everything else. You have, you have, you have the, the primacy of over everything else. You have the, you have the you're like, you're in, I'm gonna put you in charge of everything else in my life to which I make everything else submit under you. Now, I don't know if we've all done that where you could say literally how I, how I run my business, I submit to Jesus. How I treat my family, I submit to Jesus. How I talk to people, how I treat people, all right, I submit to Jesus. My finances, trying to just, like like finances are a reality of life, but my finances, all right. Even my finances. All right, Lord. If you are the true reality of the Logos and you come, I submit even my finances to Jesus and, and, and his authority. And All right. So for us, for you, this Christmas might mean simply saying, all right, Lord, what do I need to submit to you that maybe I'm currently not? How do I, how do I fully lean into this logos, this word, this authority, this, this he that comes, the son? Your understanding of Jesus is more important than your understanding of anything else. Would you do this? Would you stand with me as we worship this Lord together and, and sing as we start, literally, we kick off the Christmas season and, and, uh, and get, I, I, I don't know about you, I, I, get, I always get excited getting into Christmas. And um, for, uh, for our family, like, you know, the decorations come out and, you know, like the highlight for me is always the nativity scene and we do the whole thing and set it all up. And we have a few of them. And all of it though, all of it, it's really easy. It is really easy to lose the sight of what it means. So if my challenge, my hope, my, my, uh, my prayer for you is that this Christmas season you would go into saying, all right, number one, I, I'm gonna focus more on Jesus. Maybe it just means reading John chapter one over and over this month. Or the, uh, the, you know what, you can, I'll allow this too. You can read the whole gospel, I'll allow it. <laughs> and you can, you can grow in your understanding of who Jesus is and in turn, in your relationship with him. Will you bow with me as we pray? So Lord... We, we humbly submit to you and your word and say you have authority over us. Jesus, you are so much more than just a baby that was born and, and lived a life of sinlessness and, and, and that you, you purchased us through the, the, the shedding of your, the sacrifice on the cross and then the resurrection, giving us new life, saving us. And then giving us the Holy Spirit, you're so much more than even just that. You are the Logos. (laughs) In eternity past, you existed and you made all of this. And then you, you loved us so much, you decided you would become one of us. It's incredible. So, Lord, help us in our understanding of who you are and our ability to submit to your authority that we may grow closer to you and know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.